Can we talk about this? Johnny's holding a Mao Wan sour stripe. <laughs> strawberry, strawberry and rhubarb flavour. Yeah. I think so, the best flavour. So Yusuf has lots of Mao Wan lying around. And I, so I think, I have this problem a lot actually, that people buy sour sweets, which is just a contradiction. It catches you off guard. Well, no, like, you're buying a sour sweet. They are opposing flavours. Not as bad. Well, I, I think that complementary flavour, salty sweet, would be, well, even then. People, caramel? Salted people, caramel. People bloody love salted caramel at the moment, It's don't very they? trendy. It's like pulled pork, isn't it? Those two and foods... brioche. ...really annoying me now. Like, like you go into, I bet you go into McDonald's, I bet you'll get a salted... There'll be a pulled pork, pulled... salted caramel bun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it'll be served on a, a, a chopping board... With a big yeah. chunk of potato. Well, not it will, like half but... a potato with some aioli or whatever it's called. Should, can I eat one on the yeah, podcast? Yeah, go ahead. I'd so... love to see the future of McDonald's, actually. Because it, you know how it's become more trendy over time and they've got rid of some of the... Do you reckon they'll even be selling hamburgers in 10, 15 years' time? Yeah. Right. I wonder how they'll evolve. I'm very... Uh, Johnny's eating the apple one and he's not... It's such an unpleasant thing. I realised... <laughs> so did you just eat that to get the, the authentic... <laughs> I wish he, I wish this was a video. You could have seen his face. It's weird, like, because it is quite nice. So it's like... It's nice in spite of the sourness, I think, for you. Mm. Like, the flavour and the sweetness is good. And mm-hmm. the texture. The sourness is just annoying. You like the sourness. Yeah. Although I'm happy to get the normal ones as well. It's like when someone does a poo and then tries to spray deodorant mm-hmm. in the room. That's a fantastic example. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Ah, uh, done. <laughs> I realise it's probably paining you that I've eaten one of your malwam and not enjoyed it that much. <laughs> but well, I, it was, you know, all, in the, all, all for the sake of the podcast. I so. did enjoy it, but I think... I feel the same way about sour skittles, sour haribo, or fizzy haribo. Like I would far rather buy. We've probably lost half our listeners now because of the. <laughs> you don't slate tangfastics. People. <laughs> I think people are quite. That's what I mean. Just get normal haribo. Star mix. Yeah. Or Great. Smurfs. Cola bottles. Smurf. Yeah. Or gummy bears. Cola bottles. I'm also. I'm averse to the marshmallow inclusion. Why are you averse to the marshmallow? Just, I just don't like it. Like the fried egg. Yeah. So. Give me the yolk. Is that day. marshmallow? I think that's gelatinous foam. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> it's, it's more resistance than a straight up marshmallow. It probably is gelatinous foam. But you knew what I meant. Because actually the the gelatinous foam spectrum is quite wide. Because you know, the, remember those pink shrimps you used to get? They're very soft, aren't they? Yeah, and it's bananas. Weird. When you call it gelatinous foam in your medical student way, it puts me off. The idea even more. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound very appetizing. The idea of buying a bag of flavoured gelatinous foam. I realise that it's all gelatin, regardless. That's why marketing for sweets is so clever, because at the end of the day, it's like a Haribo. It's quite a horrible... It's like pig fat, isn't it? Yeah, pig collagen. Lovely. From, yeah, but... Lovely. With like mm, citric mm, acid and... Are you looking at the gum ingredients now? Yeah, I don't know what what's in gum. Xylitols. Soybean. Yeah. Didn't know that. Soybean? Soybean lecithin. Ah, oh, okay. Ah, okay. A right. thickener. What was I going to look up? Oh, yeah. Um, Haribo foam? Gelatinous. So, <laughs> today we... Speaking of were... gelatinous foam. Yeah. Um, today we were going to approach, going to discuss rather how we approach dieting. And this was actually triggered by a one of our clients, Tom, Tom K, who also... What up, Tom? 
What up, Tom? He's He pioneered the uh, cheesecake article that we have as well. The Ultimate Guide to Macro-Friendly Cheesecakes. Great article. Yeah, he started a snowball of, of really nice cheesecakes, so well done, Tom. Anyway. Incidentally, the, the recipe book that all our clients will be receiving. Ah. Some powerful, powerful recipes. Some really good stuff there. Moving on. So, yeah, look out for that if you are currently with us. If not, sign up and you'll get the recipe book. <laughs> right. So Se- no, Seriously, sign up. Right. So, yeah, Tom, okay... Um, recently he's been in an off season for about two years and he said I want to get a bit leaner and instantly it's as if he's just turned the tap he's just gone for he just turned the diet tap on it's like a switch rather than tap I suppose it's like on a railway line when a train switches from one train track to the other isn't it instant habit change just went to Tesco just bought the diet foods Mm. no other issues no other drama just substituted two of his meals per day like the, the carbon fat portion of it for things like cauliflower rice salads and that's all it was and it what I find interesting is that unconsciously that's what Johnny and I have been doing now whenever we need to change goal there's no thinking involved it's just one or two very simple substitutions because the momentum has been built from the rest of the time that we've been eating which is just you know one gram per pound of body weight protein and everything else just takes care of itself so the other dietary habits don't really change you still have to eat sufficient protein and the you know the meal say three meals a day and a similar macro ratio is just less and so it becomes very easy once you've established that to change your goal without having to have a headache about the whole thing something that i've actually noticed in the past with myself and, and clients actually is that sometimes so i think this depends on your on your preference like whether you you enjoy food inherently or not but if someone's been in an off season so i've been in an off season for since 2013 like a long time and you move you gradually become less and less structured in your approach i should maybe clarify because people have had issues with the word off season mm. they think well, that's I, true well i'm not a competitor how do i yeah. so what we mean by that really is just a slow gaining phase yeah um, so a, a, like a long lean gain like a long lean bulk i suppose you could phrase it as yeah the, the reason we, you may have seen some of our articles about bulking and why it's stupid but um, the reason we try and refrain from that word is that it brings up connotations of sort of T-Nation bodybuilding mm. style. Um... Bringing your sleeping back to KFC and not leaving <laughs> and that kind of thing. But so, I, you know, the last time I dieted for a sustained period of time was in 2013. I then did a full reverse diet. And you'll have probably seen this, the sequence of articles that Yusuf and I wrote was how to get to single digit body fat and then how to gain muscle while staying. Have I murdered the name of your article? No. Is that right? And then how to gain muscle while staying lean. And that documented basically the last time either of us really dieted with any rigid focus. But since then to now, um, I've noticed that my personal dietary habits have just become less and less structured because you become less and less neurotic about this stuff. Have you found the same thing? Absolutely. So what happens is that, you know, so right now I transitioned from being in the off season and tracking every day to within 10 grams of my targets and then gradually withdrawing the number of days that I track Mm. and continuing to eat the same way. And what you find happens is eventually you're tracking maybe two days a week, very gradually. And then any days that you do track, even if you're not making an effort to, you've just built those, that momentum that it no longer needs tracking because it's become part of your unconscious behavior. And the processes are so nailed down with the food prep and everything that you stop tracking and your behavior doesn't really change, which is, that's, that is something that you can't really do mid-diet because obviously hunger is pushing you off balance. But when you're in off-season, your hunger isn't pushing you one way or the other. Your body weight's quite stable, so you can relax a bit and just eat as you feel. So there is a, there is a caveat with that. And so I've, in the past year, <clears throat> been through two periods of time where... I've pretty much just stopped tracking. Both times have been deliberate. Once was around Christmas. 
so start of this year, and once the second time has been last four, five, six weeks. Um, both have coincided with periods where you know I've been on holiday, so I've had a reason to you know I I don't want to I have no intention to be on holiday and sitting there worrying about grams of protein etc. Um, but I think that whether you can do that as a strategy long term inherently depends on your existing stance to food. So if you put me and Yusuf on an island with no scales and with a with an unlimited resource of food, I would naturally overeat. I think I, my body weight would naturally over time slowly trend upwards. And I think Yusuf would probably slowly trend downwards. And I think because of that, if I were to continue eating in an untracked way, I would probably over time lose structure slowly, very slowly, because as I'm dealing with habits that I've built for a long time. But I think it's important for me to occasionally anchor myself back. And one of the one of the things I'm looking to get out of this short diet is a sort of a refocus and a regearing towards some some routine behaviours. Like so, you so, will be tracking over this diet. Yeah, I will be. Yeah. Um, and I think using, um, you know, using this as a period to get back into eating meals at the at similar times every day, knowing those food compositions, etc. And what you just said there about Tom knows that when he's dieting, because he's he's in, I don't know what phase he's in, he's in now with his approach. He's just finishing off his mini cut. Okay, so to know, and I imagine, has he been lean gaining prior to that? Yeah, for about yeah. two years. Okay, so I think some people... It kind of depends on your lifestyle and your preference. Some people stay rigid. I like to deliberately let myself become less rigid when I'm not dieting, but I think it's nice to return to that occasionally. It's quite difficult to strike that balance, especially if you're the kind of person that loves to stay organized and loves lists and loves mm. to, to track everything. It's actually more stressful to tell some clients you need to have a structured YOLO day, not structured, you need to yeah. plan, plan in a YOLO day. Yeah. Now, the thing that Johnny mentioned is is important to distinguish of, um, yes, you need to be aware of where, you, where does your body weight trend to if you was to stop tracking and just eat as normal. Mm. Would it trend up or down? Now, eating untracked is distinct from YOLO eating, like yeah. e- eating ad libitum, which is uh, you know eating as to just to match your hunger. As long as you're aware that if you were to eat to match your hunger, would your weight go up or down? For most people, unfortunately, it's up. And I've written a lot about this mm. with the satiety article, and that's partly the f- it's partly not your fault. It's the the food industry has engineered foods to be more calorie dense and more hyper palatable than they should be for the volume that they are. So we end up inadvertently eating a lot more calories. Combine that with sedentary job and um, central heating and these kind of things that just keep I, your metabolism lower. I actually also lower. think it's to do with availability of food as you grow up. And um, you know, it's, obviously, it's a vast topic, but I think the um, the types of food you, you are given, the availability of that food and the quantities, you know, if you have seconds when you're at school and stuff like that, you know, you're, you're, you're muddying the boundary of satiety and, and hunger. But anyway, I think uh, it may sound unstructured what I've just said, but the I struggled for a long time with being too precise with my diet. So I was literally plus or minus five grams for years. And the it's been a very deliberate thing to just say, okay, I need to remove this as something I'm I feel controlling around. So and just to set people's hearts at ease, what happened when you stopped tracking within five so, grams? So both, oh, well, so the initial move was Eric Helms, my coach at the time. I was coming out of a reverse diet. When you're in a reverse diet, you are about as neurotic as it gets with your diet. So I, he said, right, we are going to move from five grams to 25 grams plus or minus for protein and carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how, explain to me how that's different from you, are you adding 25 grams of carbs? And I'm, because I had read into it as Johnny, that means you can eat another 25 grams of carbs per day. And that's, again, it's indicative of this neurosis of like, I need a number. I don't need a range. Funnily enough, over a fortnight, fortnightly period, you cluster and to- And the tendency to eat to overeat, the top range Especially of when you're targets. starving as well. But 
you'll take anything you can get. You literally, yeah. If that means a quarter of a rice cake at midnight, I'll have that quarter of a rice cake. But I, I mean, I remember waiting for Eric's with... email. This is so, this is so depressing when you look back on it. I knew that because of the time zones and him being in New Zealand, he would respond to me about 11 p.m. Mm. and I would line up like some, I don't know, Skittles or something. Yeah. Waiting for his email for him to say like, okay, Yusuf, so let's uh, let's add 10 grams of carbs and you like, yes. Get in. <laughs> but if he didn't, I'd, I'd spend the whole week thinking Eric's a dick. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like you dread the email where he's like, let's keep things the same this week. You're like, no. Well, let's minus 10 grams if that was the worst news. <laughs> but um, so, you know, over, over a two week period, clustering around the average, you know, clustering around the midpoint, which is exactly as he intended. And then over time, I've, I've removed those behaviors. So I used to limit myself the amount of times I could eat out. I, I do that when I like now. I used to limit alcohol. I now I'm fairly flexible with that. And I've gone through extended periods of time where I just haven't tracked anything. So over the past, just over a month, I haven't tracked a single thing. I've tracked a few days for various reasons, but my weight stayed the same. So I've been around 96, 97 kilos for around seven weeks now. And it's a podcast, so I can't show you. But if I were to show you my weight graph since I started sort of this current phase of my training in January, my weight's moved from like 94.8 to 96.1 on average. So, you know, we're talking a kilo-ish over a six-month period, which is obviously a very slow, slow upward trend, which is about what I'm looking for. But during that time, there's been big, like long chunks of time where I haven't tracked. And I think you get to a point where you think, you know what, it would be nice to be able to say, I'll just sub out this from meal two and put this in. And I, I couldn't do that at the moment because I'm, I just, I eat when I'm hungry within a range of hunger, so... So if you're in that position, if you've been tracking for a long time, how to actually introduce untracked days without going completely off the rails? And it can feel a bit scary and maybe a bit like riding a bike without stabilizing. Like letting something. go of the side of the pool, isn't it? When you're learning to swim. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just going to sink here. So what, what we'd recommend is start off by having one day per week, preferably a weekend or something that you don't track and that... Um, it, and if you're really unsure, still track it, but only do it retrospectively in the mm. evening and then don't adjust it. Just eat what you were going to eat that day, and then just before you go to bed, go back and track everything, see how well you did, see how close you got to your targets. If you're finding that you're consistently getting those quite close to your targets and you're hitting a bullseye, then <laughs> great, you know, introduce another one. Try and do it on a day, say you say you did Sunday, do the other one on a Wednesday. Yep. Do that for a few weeks, then you've got two structured YOLO days, and then you can start doing that more and more until eventually you've got the direct reverse of that, where you're only tracking occasionally to just check that you've not deviated too much because one thing that can happen is if you're going untracked for too long your baseline can very gradually drift away from what you think your targets should be and that's evidenced in the data quite a lot as well where we look at people who who plateau with their weight loss over a six-month period and what's happened is often attributed to metabolic down regulation and metabolic adaptations but actually it's more likely to do with becoming more lax with tracking Mm. and becoming a little bit more um, misreporting the information exactly sometimes. i think one of the reasons that we really push clients to be as flexible as possible while they are tracking so even if they're in a diet um to you know take opportunities to go out for food or drink alcohol or eat in varied ways not following necessarily a structured meal approach is that when you you know assuming your goal for the rest of your life is not to be a slave to my fitness pal and that you'd like to go for periods of time where like yusuf and i do where you don't track I think it's important that you know what 3,000 calories feels like or whatever your your maintenance feels like. So I know how hungry or full 
to that I should expect to feel on a day where I'm eating roughly at maintenance. And if it start if it trends slightly beyond that or slightly under that, I can sort of intuitively adjust as I go, which is basically and it sounds funny, people who eat and maintain their weight all the time, that's what they're doing. You know, people you, everyone knows someone who seems to just eat what they like and they never have any weight problem. They are just adjusting based on satiety, hunger and an activity. And I think learning to do that can be quite complicated and can take quite a long time. But if you have, let's say, a two-year period where you've tracked quite rigorously, you can then, and I then put you on a calorie diet that was 500 calories under your maintenance. You'd probably be able to tell me at the end of the day, was that a deficit or a surplus, regardless of what you ate. So we're looking to create that feeling with tracking. We're looking to create that awareness with tracking. And then, as you sort of say, you, you build in these, these days slowly over time, so you're less reliant on tracking overall have a goal with all of this as well and this is much more suited to the off season or the you know the a slow gaining phase we should say when you are reducing the number of days that you're tracking but it's very important to actually to have a have a goal and have a an idea of where you want your weight to be moving very often we 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 have calls with people who have been kind of eating maybe slightly under eating but not enough to lose weight mm. But just enough to impact their recovery and not no know, man's to, land. Yeah, exactly, and that's it, it, it's the worst place to be in. And we say, where do you want your weight to be? And they say, oh, I don't really know. My weight's kind of stable. And I, I don't. I'm not really sure what I want, or I want to kind of lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. <laughs> so instead, as as we've as you may have heard us say before, get as lean as you are comfortable with, with a bit of an extra buffer as well, so that you're comfortably lean, and then focus on gaining say two to 400 grams per month, which is very slow, and just run that for say two years. And that's the most stress-free way to do it and also the way to keep you as lean as possible. I think the question you should be able to confidently answer when, you know, if someone was like, I don't know whether whether to bulk or cut or what what approach to take. If you couldn't confidently say yes, absolutely to, could you be in a a lean gaining phase for the next two to three years, then you aren't lean enough. It's just, it's as simple as that, you know, because... Whether or not someone would say, oh, you know, you look great, you know, you're still lean. If you have a psychological holdback to how lean you are and you try to gain weight over a six month, two year, three year, four year period, you're never going to be consistent with it. So the only reason that Yusuf and I have been able to get to this stage where we've been in a lean gaining phase, gaining weight consistently for two, three years, and then built in these more flexible practices like not tracking being more flexible with training, etc., is because we got lean first and then built off of that basis. Got lean and maintained the momentum, then got those processes nailed down so that mm. you... And, and I've got to say, it is so enjoyable being in a long gaining phase and not tracking as much. It's so much more of a mental release because you can just get on with the training, you can focus mm. on that, and you're not sat there weighing out your wine gums. So the only thing I am a little bit concerned about I is... I don't eat wine gums. Yeah. But... <laughs> you sour my one. Um, the only thing I am a little bit apprehensive about is the I've completely forgotten what it's like to be in a dieted mindset. I think, you know, I'm so liberal. Like if, for example, eating a Mawam, but to illustrate a point. Yeah, yeah if you're in a diet, no way village, I'd have done I that. I haven't tracked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you get it. And that's why I'm kind of setting the... You almost repress the memory. It's like the trauma of childbirth where you... <laughs> like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then... Like, oh, Actually, oh. it was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... I think that's why we're so adamant with our content of like, don't just do that for the sake of it. Like have a reason for getting that lean or have a reason for dropping body weight. Because if you're doing it to, if you're doing it to kind of scratch an itch and you think that, you know, your life will be so much better when you have abs, it's categorically will not be. If you're doing it to either get more competitive in a sport or 
to facilitate, as we said, to facilitate a longer phase in your training, like the next five years, I think that's very sensible, but it should be complemented by numbers and data rather than just let's diet till I'm absolutely bro. That's it. It's putting the clutch down before you change gear (laughs) and then going for it. But what we were originally going to discuss, what we were originally going to discuss was the actual, some actual strategies for making that transition for, from surplus to deficit or deficit to surplus really, really easy. So something that, well, I'll let Yusuf discuss that. Well, go on. Um, to be honest, I think that's quite a good podcast in, it, in itself. And we can just say like, just substituting a meal, like that that's all there is to it. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I so, thought you wanted to talk about, I oh, want to talk about the automation stuff. Uh, that uh, separate podcast, yeah. Oh, uh, right, okay, okay, fine. Yeah, where were we? Talking about having a purpose for dieting, being, purpose, being data-driven. Yeah. So having a goal is very important, but if you're finding that you're consistently struggling with this idea of, I'm not lean enough, and you're constantly in this flux, that's usually a sign that you need to go and outsource it, get some objectivity, get someone to periodize your diet for you, and that in itself is another huge mental release. If it's happening so severely, that can actually tip you into eating disorder territory, which is not pleasant either. So basically, we're transitioning into becoming untracked, but maintaining the momentum that we've built from the habits that we have from eating enough protein, eating the correct food choices, uh, making sure we're gravitating to satiating high volume food sources and eating three meals a day as uh, as a rough guide. You know, you could go two or, or six to bloody hell maths two, <laughs> two, two or four that's what three plus one is <laughs> okay so on that note let's leave it there you can check out show notes and all of the references on the website propanefitness.com and we will speak to you next week remember to subscribe to itunes android stitcher youtube join our Facebook fan page, everything, Twitter, Instagram, email, get Yusuf's home number, ring that frequently, ring me every morning. Don't, don't, don't. don't. (laughs) But if, uh, seriously though, if you do kind of enjoy this, or even if you hate it, you know, you may, you may hate it. We'd love reviews, ratings. It improves, increases the the positioning on iTunes, and ultimately, we can justify sitting in a room talking about silly things for longer. Okay, that's everything from this podcast. We'll speak to you soon.